0: My handkerchief is being used. It's going to be a good day. And so this morning, we are going to talk a little bit, because I don't have a whole lot of time, about Pentecost. Now, as I was studying for this message, and if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, being a people of Pentecost. We have talked about the heart of worship. We have talked about uh, being a people that resides in his presence. And today, we're going to talk about this idea for just a few minutes. The power propels us to our purpose. And before I get too far going, i got to recognize uh, my brother, Bishop Taylor Schaefer, is with us today. Would you wave at us, at us, Taylor? He's all the way from Tupelo today just to hang out, and so thank you for being with us here today. They also are the ones that took the pictures for us a few weeks ago that you did a great job on, and uh, they're all over our website now, so I appreciate it. You guys did a great job. Um, today we're going to talk about, last week... Being a people of Pentecost, and so the first week we we talked about uh, how hard life can be, and how sometimes whenever life gets so hard, it literally knocks the wind. Out of you, we talked about the fact that whenever in Genesis chapter two, whenever God molded man out of dirt and then he breathed into man, that was actually the breath of the Holy Ghost, and that is what brought life to us and sometimes life gets hard, and we simply have the breath knocked out of us, and so we talked about how God is still able to come into our lives. And breathe a fresh wind into our spirits, even when we 're struggling. last week, we just talked about being in god 's presence. Let I me mean, enjoy being in god 's presence. There is nothing like just resting in his presence. There is nothing like simply resting in God and resting in in his presence on a on a daily basis. We talked about how important it was to worship, and last week we talked about his presence and how we were literally sculpted by his hands, and it was his presence that brings us to life. And so today, as we close out our series entitled People of Pentecost, I want us to turn our eyes toward these two scriptures. Uh, Acts 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he ascended. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're going to turn over to Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. And then this is when it happened when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly like a like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. I believe we are in a place today where we need fresh fire and we need fresh wind in our prayer. I don't know about you, but I know when I get in my prayer closet, I want to encounter God. Whenever I start praying and I start worshiping, I want to get right in the middle of his presence because in his presence I find liberty and I find healing. What Pentecost says to us and does for us is it allows us to literally walk in the presence of God. Because before this day, the Holy Spirit, he would come and rest on people, but then he would leave. But now, because Jesus Christ had saved us and redeemed us and had cleaned us from the inside out, now the Spirit of God has been given back to man. Because when Adam and Eve walked with God, they had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. They walked in the presence of God. They saw God. They spoke to God. And that was always God's will for man. But whenever Adam and Eve fell, that Holy Spirit was taken from them. And the Bible says that they died. They didn't just die a physical death. They also died a spiritual death. You see, whenever the Holy Spirit was taken from them, something was taken that was never meant to be missing. We were never meant to walk in life without the presence of God residing on the inside of us. And so whenever the book of Acts shows up and Jesus begins to pour out his spirit, something was given back to us that had been taken from us back in Genesis 2. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be a people of Pentecost and where God is calling us to be and what he's calling us to do. And so today, as we close out our series, we've already talked about that there's a lot of misunderstandings about Pentecost and a lot of misrepresentations. And so here are some things that we believe. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost that it, and that the evidence of it is, by, is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives us the utterance. We believe that there is a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit in our hearts at salvation and being baptized by Jesus into the Holy Spirit. We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was an empowerment, and this is where we're going to spend a lot of time today in a little bit. We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was an empowerment for the church that allows us to see signs, miracles, and wonders. We believe in divine healing, divine restoration, tongues with interpretation, prophecy, words of knowledge. Basically, we believe that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man has been made God's mouthpiece. Because we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, God is able to speak straight through us because his spirit is residing in us. We have become God's mouthpiece in the earth. What we don't believe, and this is important, because how many knows it's just just as important to know what you don't believe, not just what you do believe, okay? And so what we don't believe, we don't believe in chaos. We don't believe in chaos in the church. I know that there have been a lot of times we showed a video a few weeks ago uh, some of it was okay. Some of it went kind of crazy. Like I said, don't, don't be throwing jackets at me unless both of us know it's from Jesus. Some of you weren't here, but the other rest of you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, you know, especially in Pentecostal circles, we, we kind of got crazy. But there is, but if you look in several books in the Bible, especially the second book of Corinthians and some in the first, we see that there is a order to the way that the Spirit manifests and that we should operate in the church. Um, we don't believe that we can manipulate God through prayer formulas. God is not a, a god that can be manipulated and he's not a slave to our will. He is the god of the universe and we can, you know I, I'm not going to stay a lot of time there cuz some of the people's going to get mad at me, but he can't be manipulated. And sometimes you know the you know we quote that scripture well you have not because you ask not we believe anything we ask for we're going to get. But the Bible also says right after that in James that you have not because you ask amiss. That means that we get what God believes is right for our lives. Amen. And so And so we don't believe that we can manipulate God through prayer formulas. We don't believe that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. I saw a video the other day, and it's really challenging me. And my wife asked me a question. We watched this video by Francis Chan. And uh, anybody know Francis Chan is a great speaker. He wrote the book Crazy Love and Forgotten God, and uh, he... If you've been saved for 30 years and you think you love Jesus, you listen to him for about 10 minutes, and you're like, man, I don't love Jesus enough. This guy has tested my salvation, and he's just a great minister. And he was speaking at this spirit-filled event, and uh, folks were speaking in tongues and, you know, doing all the things that we do, which is fine. Um, but he, said, he got up and he said, like any good old Baptist would, uh, he said, uh, you know, I just got to say this. I just got to say this. He said, you know, I don't speak in tongues. Now, he, now remember, and, and he's been to uh, our Winterfest for the Church of God, and we're a spirit-filled denomination. He's, uh, I believe he's got a Baptist background. And at this event, he said, look, guys, I don't speak in tongues. And some, <laughs> in fact, he even said, in fact, there are some circles that will not allow me to speak at their events because I do not speak in tongues. And he said, look, I've prayed for this and 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 God hasn't given it to me. It's not that I don't believe in it. It's not that 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 um that I don't want it. He just said I have just never been given that gift. And he said I want it desperately, but I just haven't been given it. And Christina asked me, he said she said, "So you're telling me that God Because he's not filled with the Holy Spirit, because we believe—well, not all of us—but there is this stigma that says if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can't do much for God. That may be unspoken, but we—but people have said it. And so Christina said to me, "So you're telling me that this man who has done all of these things for Jesus, and and just knowing his background story, he actually pastored a huge church in California." And walked away from it. Why did he? And he walked away from it, not because he had sin in his life, but because he felt like he had become the idol of the church. And so he walked away from it. He said, I don't want to be Jesus. He said, I'm, I'm the messenger for Jesus. And so you take a man like that who's totally humble, who simply wants to glorify God, and he's changed thousands of lives across the world, but he's not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Does that mean that he's not as good of a minister or good of a Christian as any of us? No. No. And so you don't have to speak in tongues to get to heaven. We also don't believe We also don't believe that God has a prerequisite for his presence as far as dress goes. You know, if you go in town and you say, "Well, I go to a Pentecostal church." The first thing they're going to ask you if you invite them to church is, "Do I have to wear a dress or do I have to, you know, what requirements do I have?" You know, I don't know about any other church, but I know at this church, we believe you come as you are and God will meet you where you're at. Amen. And so What we believe is that God meets us where we are, He heals our brokenness, and He fills us with His presence. That's who God is, and that's what we believe. And so today is Pentecost Sunday, and for some, whenever you talk about Pentecost Sunday, their minds go straight to where Acts two goes straight there. And and we look, we're going to look at the Book of Acts today and celebrate what God has done. But today is going to be different, and I warned you about that. Um, Get your minds ready. In fact. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. It's about to go in another direction than where you think it's going. Um, Pentecost, we know it. And when we think about Pentecost, we think, how can I say this? I'm not getting in trouble. We think of speaking in tongues and rolling around the floor and falling out. All those things are godly. All those things are good. If you have any questions about it, I'm for it. We'll talk about it at another time. But what's curious to me is what Pentecost actually was. We know that it was 50 days after the after the resurrection. It was the 50th day. And in the Old Testament, there was a Pentecost. And it was called the Feast of Weeks. It had actually several different names. But it was called the Feast of Weeks as one, uh, uh, one of the names that it had. And it was a celebration of the harvest. Pentecost did not start in Acts chapter 2. It had been going on for years and years. It was a celebration of the harvest. And here's the thing. We have separated the fire from the harvest. We have taken Pentecost that was designed to be a holiday celebrating the harvest, and we have made it all about the fire of God. But here's the thing. I don't think that the Pentecost, The fire was ever supposed to be separated from the harvest. I think in order for us to get to the harvest, we had to have the fire. But the fire was not the end result. It was simply a tool to get to where God was calling us to be. And so Pentecost was a day to celebrate the harvest. Pentecost was to serve as the divine empowerment that we needed to reach the lost. Whenever we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is the empowerment to do what God has created us to do. It, it, it wasn't just so that we could have a good time in church services and we could get a blessing. It was so, it was meant for so much more than that. Why was it even? Why, why was? Why did God choose fifty days after the resurrection to pour out His Holy Spirit? I think because instead of the blessing, it was supposed to be about the harvest. And so, it and so we see Pentecost was to serve as the divine empowerment, and it worked. Here's the thing about Pentecost in our age. Pentecost works. The Holy Spirit moving in our services, it works. Whenever people walk into a place and they feel the real intangible presence of God that is relatable, and it hits them where they are, and it speaks to their need right in the middle of their need, Pentecost works because it's not plastic. I mean, you're tired of plastic religion. It's not plastic, and it's not fake. Pentecost breaks through all of those walls, the Holy Spirit and his fire. It breaks through all of our walls that we have set up, and it tears them down, and it hits us right where we are. That's why Pentecost works, because it gets through all of the junk. The Holy Spirit cuts through all of the mess and gets to the point of our need. Pentecost works. It worked then. In Acts chapter 2, whenever the, the Holy Spirit was poured out and people thought they were going crazy and Peter started preaching, 3,000 men got saved, not counting women and children. And today, when the Spirit of God moves in a church service, there may be one or a 100 or a 1,000, but somebody is going to hear from God because the Holy Spirit will cut through our religious facade and hit us where we need him the most. Pentecost still works. We saw 3,000 people plus women and children get saved and baptized and added to the church. Pentecost was about reaching the down and out, not just about the shout. Somebody need to write that down. That's good. Go ahead, get your number two pencil out. Pentecost was about reaching the down and out, not just the shout. I'm telling you, this is different. God, I, I, there was a day in my life where I would have been all over Pentecost Sunday and I would have got suddenly, somebody say suddenly, I would have got all over that because suddenly preach is good. You start saying shift and suddenly in Pentecostal circles and somebody's going to have revival. Somebody's going to start turning circles. There was a day in my life I would have been all over suddenly and a mighty wind and poured out. I would have been all over that. But God today has brought me in a totally different direction, and God spoke to my heart, and he said this to me. He said, look, my Holy Ghost, when I poured it out, it wasn't just about shouting in church. It was about empowering you to reach people who need me. But it's so funny because in Pentecostal circles, we'll come to the altar, and we'll be all about us getting a hold of him and him getting a hold of us. All the while, we're not trying to get a hold of them. When he is supposed to empower us to reach that way. Pentecost is about the harvest. And so it wasn't supposed to be about the shout. Is the shout bad? Absolutely not. Josh is moving. He will, you, soon you will no longer hear neighbor stories because Josh is possibly moving. But you can ask Josh, sometimes I I get in the Holy Ghost or I'm practicing my sermons and I shout and I yell. We talked a couple weeks ago about what it meant to have Pentecostal worship and what all of it stood for. I believe in the shout, but a shout is not a replacement for the mission. A shout is not a replacement for the mission. God has called us to be the church. And I remember, like, when I read my history books, being the church used to not just be coming to the church. It meant going out of the church and pulling sinners into the church. In fact, the Bible says that blessed are those that pull them out of the pits of hell. Those who are going down into a devil's hell and people who reach down and snatch them out, that's who God has called us to be. Pentecost was about the harvest. And God asked me this question. Have we gotten so lost in celebrating Pentecost that we have forgotten about the harvest? Have we gotten so lost in celebrating Pentecost that we have forgotten about the harvest? Now, this is Jesus talking to me, and I'm sharing it with you. I said, Jesus, come on now, that's, that's mean. <laughs> come on, Jesus, don't be that mean to me today. That's what I was saying, like, come on, man. And He even posed this, this question to me. He said, have we wasted the source of this Holy Ghost baptism for church highs while the world is reaching new lows? Think about everything you complain about in this world, about all these bad movies on TV, about all these nasty politicians, and about people, about Kathy Griffin, if you guys have been, I'm not happy about it either. But to me, that's not just a testament of of, of how dirty and, and problems that she has. It tells me that she needs Jesus. We've been so busy trying to get our blessing that we've missed the blessing of reaching people. And we wonder why our world is turned upside down the way it is and why our kids act so crazy and why everything is the way it is. Maybe it's because we were so busy simply resting here and not working out there that life went on outside of the church while instead of Pentecostal seeking the harvest, we were just seeking a blessing. Oh, it's quiet, Jesus. I'll wring my own handkerchief today. I'm going to get somebody to shout before I get out of here. If I have to make it up, I'm going to make somebody shout. (laughs) He asked me, have we wasted the source of the Holy Ghost baptism for for church highs while the world is reaching new lows? Acts 1.8 says this. It said that we would receive power. Somebody say power. We would receive power when the Holy Spirit came. Power. There is the Greek word dunamis. This means we would be filled with a force, with a miraculous power, with a strength, uh, even a violence. We look at our world and we wonder what can help it. I'm going to tell you what can help it. Look at your neighbor say, you can do this. What's going to help the world is the church getting out of the church building because this is just a 501c3. What's going to help the world is us leaving this building and carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and speaking into darkness and speaking life into death. The world is not going to change until we get out of this building and we speak life into death and we speak deliverance to those that are addicted and we speak hope to those that are desperate. The world will not change until we We get out of the altars and carry it into the streets. You want your world to change. Be the change you want to see in your world. Be the change you want to see in your city. Be the change you want to see in your family. It's not going to change on its own. How did America get here? Somebody got tired of taxation without representation and they stopped putting up with it. God is looking for a people that will stop putting up with mess and start settling for a halfway Christianity that as long as we get our blessing, we're okay. God is looking for a church that is tired of putting up with the mess from the devil and is tired of seeing our kids fall under his influence. God is looking for a people that is going to seek his face, take the anointing that they get and take it into the Streets where they need it. I've heard it said we got a bunch of fat Christians, not because of KFC, but because of the altar. We got so much spiritual food going into our bellies and we're not taking any of it out that we're spiritually obese. We can talk about eschatology and we can talk about pneumatology, but we can't talk about sociology because we don't know about the people outside of our church. Oh, that's better than that. Y'all should, y'all should have shouted there. Jesus, God's looking for a people that's willing to get out of our church and be the church. Y'all gonna get tired of me calling this place a five hundred one c three, ain't you? This is the sanctuary of the God. What the Bible says, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Get mad about something going on in the church. I don't like this. I don't like about that. What's going on in your church? That's, that's another rabbit trail going somewhere else. It's going on in your temple? <clears throat> we look at our world and ask, what can help? Spirit-filled believers, we're good, we are the help. We are the help. We look at the word power because we look at, look at that word power and it has several meanings that is, is in there. And the first one is force. And so we have to understand that the force that is in you is greater than the force that is against you. You see, we would be filled with power. That means that there is a force that has been planted inside of your life I don't know about you but there are times in my life where I feel like there are forces that are coming against me and I feel like they are going to overcome me but God has baptized you in his holy spirit and he has planted a seed of power in your spirit and today I am telling you and declaring to you that if you will grab a hold of his anointing there is no power there is no force that can come against you or your family that you can't handle I'm going to send you power. It means there's a force. It also means that word. I love the how, how, I love the Greek language because there's so many meanings for each word. You can't just take a word. At the surface level, you've got to get into it. So, there, so power equals force. It also equals the miraculous. One thing we believe in Pentecostal. I remember I, I preached when I was 19 or 18. And I went to preach at uh, a local Christian school. Just put it out there like that. And they were very much Baptist. I don't have anything wrong with Baptist. We're all getting to the same heaven. We're gonna worship the same Jesus. That just is what it is. Hallelujah. But Baptists don't like you preaching about miracles. And I didn't I didn't think about all that. I, I was 19. I was excited. I had just graduated. I was coming back to the school to, to preach. And I began preaching. And I got a phone call about a week later. They said, Brother Jay. <laughs> And I was young and I knew that they the, the principal had that parent voice on, so I was like, Oh Lord, what I done did And he said, Brother Jay, um we we enjoyed your message the other day and I said, Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad that you did. I, I really enjoyed being there And he said, Well, the only thing is, um we don't we, we don't preach about miracles. I had said something in passing. I said, if you've got something going on in your life, you've got sickness in your family, I believe God, you pray over it and God will heal that cancer, is exactly what I said. And apparently a kid came to the office, went to his parents first, and said, Jay Smith came and said we could pray for cancer and it'd be healed. And his parents got mad and called the principal. And the principal called me and said, Brother Jay, we don't preach about miracles. We We don't believe that we can do that. And, and I was young and dumb, and I never got invited back. Um, but I said, well, why do you pray? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, if you don't believe God's going to do a miracle whenever you pray, why in the world do you waste your breath? And he said, well, I just wanted to let you know. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> we believe that because the Spirit of God resides on the inside of us, that we can lay hands on the sick, that we can speak to mountains, and they will be moved, not because of how good we are, not because of necessarily the anointing that's on our, on our lives, but because the Spirit of God that resides on the inside of us. It's not about us. Paul said in Ephesians, not of myself, lest I boast, but it's all because of God. And I know I'm, I'm murdering that verse, but we believe in these things not because of how good or how strong we are, but because we know how big and how strong our God is. We believe that when we pray over cancer, cancer has to We believe that when we pray over depression, depression has to go. We believe that when we pray over hearts with clogged arteries, that those arteries have to clear up. We believe in it because we believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of us. The same spirit that brooded over the waters in Genesis as creation began. It resides on the inside of us. And if God, through his spirit, can create the earth and can raise Jesus from the dead, certainly he can use me to walk through these streets and preach the healing of the gospel to a broken people certainly he can use us to speak to cancer and it has to go power, the force equals power equals force equals miraculous but it also equals a violent strength the baptism of the holy spirit took peter from being a fearful failure to a powerful preacher you see whenever you get baptized in the holy ghost you begin to re- to rely on a strength that is not your own you look at peter at the end of the gospels and he was a failure he had Denied Jesus three times. He was constantly in trouble, allowing his mouth to get him in trouble. And he had ran from Jesus and denied Jesus. But in Acts chapter 2, whenever the Holy Spirit was, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. He goes from being a fearful failure to standing in front of the same people who 50 some odd days later had crucified his Lord and declaring the good news to them. You say you're scared to share the gospel, get full of the Holy Ghost. You say you're afraid of sharing your faith. Get full of the Holy Ghost. You say you're afraid of doing anything for Jesus. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Seek God so that while he may be found, and maybe he will make you productive. Pentecost is about the harvest. Pentecost is about the harvest. And so violent strength, the empowerment of God's spirit, as the empowerment of God's spirit pours into us a strength that is not our own. And it's so that we can combat the powers of darkness in this world. I mean, those are real evil in this world. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Can I tell you today that if you strictly think today that you are simply fighting your own bad habits, you are sorely mistaken? There are spirits in this world that battle against us and battle in this world, and if we are not full of the Holy Ghost, we don't have a sword to fight them with. Darkness is violent, and so our prayer should be violent. That's good. Y'all need to write that down. I'm going to write that down. Oddie did. Never mind. So today we have to understand Pentecost is about the harvest. And so the power that we're given through Pentecost is for the purpose. The purpose is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the church. That is the purpose of each individual church. That is, whenever Pete gets saved... He gets made new and refreshed in the Holy Ghost and he's made a new creation in Christ. But then he develops, he is given this purpose of sharing the gospel with people. The purpose for Pentecost is the harvest. And the power that we're given is not just so that we can lay hands on each other and get spiritually fat for years at a time. Instead, it is that we are in with the Holy Spirit and then we go out into the streets that's empty and we pour out what's been poured into us. You see, some... The thing that's wrong with the world is the world looked at the church as a separate entity. Like we're a world in and of ourselves and we're not a part of them. But the truth is is that when we leave this place, I go to a family that doesn't know Jesus. I go to people that I I love and that I'm around and I admire and they don't know Jesus. I'm not supposed to keep my Christian life separate from my personal life. I don't categorize and separate all of these parts of my life and compartmentalize. Instead, God is calling me to take what he pours into me in these altars and carry that into my personal life. Power is for the purpose. The purpose is reaching people. Pentecost was a feast to celebrate the harvest, and Pentecost should still be about the harvest. But instead of harvesting crops, we're harvesting souls. Instead of harvesting crops like they did when this was written, we are harvesting souls. You say, well, Pastor, you don't find that in the Bible. Well, go back and see what Jesus said to the fishermen. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men today god is calling us to the harvest there's a harvest that is white and ready and he is calling us with the empowerment that he's given us through the holy ghost to be the harvesters god is looking for some harvesters pentecost is a reminder that the holy spirit supernaturally equips us to reach the loss on our own yeah we're inadequate on our own we are inadequate we, we make mistakes. We say things that we shouldn't. But I've been in the middle of conversations where God has led me, and that's the key. Let God lead you. And here's the thing. If you don't ask God to lead you anywhere, He won't lead you anywhere. But if you say, God, lead me to somebody who needs you. Lead me to someone who needs your glory. Lead me to someone who needs your hope. Lead me to someone who needs your salvation. He's going to do it. And I've been in conversations before where I had no idea what to say. And I was listen, listening to someone who was broken and hurting. And I had no idea in and of myself what to say to them. But then all of a sudden, there's that word suddenly. I almost are preaching now. I'm on, better watch out. I said suddenly. But God would whisper something into my ear. And it wasn't because I was intelligent or I was wise, it's because I gave God an opportunity. I became his vessel, and he whispered something in my ear that spoke directly to that person's need, and it was exactly what they needed, and that is what the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is supposed to be for. It's supposed to be a tool for us to use so that we can minister to those that are hurting. So speaking in tongues isn't the destination, it is preparation To bring people to salvation. Speaking in tongues isn't the destination. It is preparation to bring people to salvation. Today, we don't just need tongue talkers. We need tongue talkers. We need people praying in the spirit. I believe in spirit languages. And one day I'll do a Bible study on the spirit, on on, on prayer languages. But we don't just need people who talk in tongues. We need harvesters. Come on, somebody. We need somebody that's willing to be like a big old John Deere out in the middle of a of field and harvest some crops. We need some people that are ready to go out and get those that are hurting and that are lost and, that are, and they are full of the Holy Ghost ready to go get the harvest. We need harvesters. The world is tired of fake religion and people say straight through these religious facades, Miss Karen, would you come play for me? I'm going to get ready to close. People say she's straight through this religious, these religious facades. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was prison ministry. A few years ago, we had a guy here. Some of you guys know him. It was Donnie Miller. (laughs) He's real funny. He'd get mad and say, Holy Ghost and fire, hallelujah. He'd just get mad and start. If you know him, you know. And then (laughs) he was one of those guys that you either you either loved him a whole lot or you had to tolerate him in the name of Jesus. And sometimes it was both. (laughs) Uh, But I love Donnie. And and I remember when I first started coming to church here, he talked me into going to this thing called, uh, they called it the discipleship walk. Apparently they're all over the place and other places call it the Emmaus walk. And it's super secretive. It's really weird actually. Like the whole time I was like, is this kind of cultic? Because you can't talk about it. They feed you all day. Omgz! They feed you all day. When I say that, I mean like you wake up at seven, you go to breakfast, big breakfast. You come back to your room around like eight thirty. They fill your bed with candy, and then you and then you go to snack, and then at like at eleven you go eat lunch and you come back and there's candy all over your bed again. And I'm thinking the whole time of the story of Hansel and Gretel. Are they trying to fatten us up? I was already pretty healthy at that time. <laughs> but, anyways, I was, I remember going on that walk. And I thought I was a pretty good Christian. At that time, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I know I had my first level of licensing, I know I was an exhorter in the Church of God at that time. I'd, so I'd gotten into ministry. I think I was an MIP, and Donnie comes up to me and he says, "I want you to go on this walk, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for it." Yeah, sorry, Joker didn't pay for it. I ended up having to pay for it. <laughs> he paid for me and Timmy Box went together. He paid for Timmy. and said, "Uh, well, pay for Timmy's. You pay for your own." Dang, bro. So he took me and he, he taught me into going, and, and 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 I couldn't have myself on all weekend. It was really weird. I was really afraid they were gonna take us somewhere and cook us. Um, but anyway, I was, I, I, the one that we went to was full. Uh, there was this church in, in Memphis that had a huge uh, homeless ministry, and um, it was amazing, actually. And and they had put this this Emmaus walk on. Anyone was welcome to come, but most of the people that had come to the discipleship walk or the Emmaus walk was from their church, from their homeless ministry. And um a lot of these guys have been in jail, and if you've ever done prison ministry or you've ever worked with people that are homeless, um your religious answers don't do much for them except make them mad and I remember <laughs> sitting at this table, and they purposely separate you from anyone you know and so I get to know my guy that i'm bu- that I'm bucking with, apparently he'd been in jail twice for assault and drug charges. And the first thing he and I talk about is how he has a temper problem. And I'm thinking, and and when I say assault, I mean, like, not with regular weapons. I mean, like, he told me he stabbed one guy with a spoon. I don't even know how you do that. I don't know if this was, like, prepared, like he done sharpened a spoon before. I don't know if he bit on it. I just don't know. I just know he stabbed somebody with a spoon. And I'm thinking, I got to sleep above this guy. What if he gets mad at me and starts stabbing me through the mattress? Jesus, what am I going to do? And I remember being there and listening to their stories. and It was very early in my walk with Christ even. I mean, I got saved at 16 and um, submitted to ministry at 17, licensed at 19, I think. So, I mean, I'm still a babe in Christ. I might be, a, you know, I might be Reverend James Smith, but I was still very much a babe in Christ. And um, so I still had this fakeness about me. Not fakeness. I mean, I tried to be real, but I felt like I had to put on this, this mask of what I thought a Christian was supposed to be and who I was supposed to act like and how I was supposed to sound. And I remember sitting at these roundtable discussions with these people and, um, and giving my church answers to questions, and they would not have it. And I got home. And everybody else was so excited because it was just really, it, the whole walk is about the love of God. It's really amazing if anyone ever invites you to go, it's worth the experience, go. They're not going to eat you. Give up your cell phone. You'll appreciate it at the end of the weekend. Um, but I remember getting home and saying, God, what am I doing? I remember asking myself, God, I'm a licensed minister and there are these broken people all around me and I had no idea how to engage with them. And he said to me, I'll never forget this, it's because you're doing it and you're not letting me. He said to me, because you're doing it but you're not letting me. I wasn't letting him speak through me. Instead, I was trying to be smart and spiritual and know everything. It's okay to not know. It's okay not to know everything. And I remember praying and saying, God, and believe it or not, this is whenever I, it's not when I started but it's when I went to the next level with my flip-flop wearing. (laughs) If y'all remember when I was here, several, I've been here the whole time, but when I first, 2008, 2009, I wanted so badly to get away from any religious facade because I just wanted to be real so that Jesus could move through me. The purpose of Pentecost is the harvest it's the people we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the initial evidence is speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance but that is not the destination that is the tool and God is calling us individually, corporately to be a people that allows the Holy Spirit to not just bless us in our worship services, but that we take what he, in, what he invests in us and we invest it into those that are hurting outside of our church. If the church isn't about people, why are we a church? That's a good question. The church has to be about people. Jesus, he said like this. I'm going to get ready to close with this. (laughs) He said that whenever I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. Whenever I was in jail, you visited me. When I was sick, you visited me. You prayed for me. Lord, help us not be a church that operates under the anointing of your Holy Spirit, but is not operational. In order for us to be operational, that means that we're taking the gifts of the Spirit and we're using them for what they were intended for. We may be operating in prophecy and in the anointing, but the only way we can call ourselves operational is if we take what we've been given give it to people outside and then we invite them to come in here so they can get filled and then they can go out and do the same thing and we repeat the process and so this morning you may be asking okay you've yelled at me a lot today Pastor Jay what do you want me to do with it I want you ask yourself this question. Am I an operational Pentecostal? Am I an operational Pentecostal? Paul said, look, I speak in tongues more than any of you folks. But then he said, but if you ain't got love, you ain't got nothing. All you need is love. I'm not going to sing. I'm going to stop right there. Are you operational? Would you stand with me? This morning as we celebrate Pentecost and we recognize what it's there for, We also have to understand the purpose which is people and we have to make the decision are we going to allow God to use us and today you may say Pastor Jay you don't know me I'm not spiritual enough you don't know me neither Cause I ain't all the way saved all the time. Glory to God! Catch me in a drive-through with the wrong order, with a long line. I am not all the way saved. Josh has told me that he refuses to go back to McDonald's. He went four times in a row, got his order wrong. He, he he's still praying about it. He's trying to get over it. You catch me when somebody cuts me off in traffic. I am not all the way saved. I don't cuss. I get mad. may say, Pastor Jay, you don't know me. You don't know me either. I mean, honestly, just all joking aside, you don't know my struggles. You don't know my doubts. You don't know me like that. But you know what? It's not about me and my struggles. It's about him and his glory. And the whole purpose for the blood is so that it covers my screw ups and the whole purpose for the Holy Ghost is it empowers me beyond my own ability so really if he covers my sin and he empowers me to do things beyond my own strength there's not a reason for me not to be an operational Pentecostal Christian. This morning I I, want to pray with you. You may feel inadequate to do the work of the ministry. You may never have the word pastor in front of your name, but you know what? That's okay. You ain't got to be a pastor to do ministry. You just got to be a Christian and willing. They say, Pastor Jay, you don't know my issues. You don't know mine either. My issues got issues that have issues, and all of them in counseling. God's just looking for somebody that's willing. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, my question for you this morning as we get ready to leave is this. If you're here today and you want to do the work of the ministry, but you need God's empowerment, you need a fresh anointing, you need encouragement, because you're afraid, you feel inadequate, I want you to lift your hands right now. God sees His hands. God sees them. God sees them. God sees them. If that's you, you want a fresh anointing to do God's will in your life. If God sees His hands. If that's you, raise your hand. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, in fact, would you just lift your hands and receive this right now? In fact, I just ask everybody right now, just lift your hands and receive this blessing. Say, Pastor, I don't feel comfortable. Get over it. Nobody's looking around anyway. Lord, right now we lift our hands as a sign of submission, God, and we also lift them as a symbolic way of receiving. Lord, we are... We want to be a church that is full of the Holy Ghost with the evidences of speaking in tongues and prophecy and words of knowledge, Lord God. We want all of that, God. That's all your good stuff. We need it. We want it. We want to be fully operational, God. Father, we we desire your presence in this place, and we receive it in the name of Jesus. And, God, we want to be a church that is on fire for you, God, not lukewarm, not hot. Lord, I mean, Lord, we want to be hot. We don't want to be lukewarm or cold. We want to be on fire for you, God. And, Father, for those that are here today, God, and they they just need a fresh outpouring, Lord, we speak life into them in the name of Jesus. Give them a fresh wind, God. Blowing them again, Lord God. Just like in Genesis 2, where you reached down from heaven and you formed a a clay mold of a body of a human, God. And you breathed, Lord, I pray that you would again breathe into your people. God, for those that have a calling on the inside of them, Lord God, but feel inadequate, Lord, to chase after it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage them to walk in the purpose that they were created for. Father, for those that today need encouragement, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be there with them, Lord God. That it would be an encouragement to them today, Lord God. That it would give them peace in the middle of their struggle. Lord, we thank you. We love you, God. We lift your name above every name today, God. We are Pentecostal and we thank you for the gifts of your spirit. We thank you, God, for tongues and interpretations. We thank you for words of knowledge, Lord God. We thank you that we can close our eyes and open our heart and walk into your presence. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you'd follow us as we leave this place today. Father, I pray a pastoral blessing over each and every person that's here today, that you'd bless them where they are, God, that you'd bless their coming in and their going out, that they they will be the head and not the tail above and not beneath, Lord. I pray blessings over my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. Father, keep us until we come back, Lord. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said.